All right. Oh, praise the Lord. You had a good week? I had an awesome week. For those of you who don't know myself and Christine, we, um, we have been missionaries overseas. Um, we have pastored churches. We are now, we have preached in Islamic republics and seen thousands and thousands and thousands come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And um, in the season where I can't travel, um, we have started a ministry. And um, their ministry this month is growing by 4,000 followers. Um, this week we are at roof height for the church that you guys have provided for. Uh, this week we laid the foundations for our first church in Pakistan. Um, we've got three others that are two others that are going to be started this month as well. Um, I'm kind of now really starting to get itchy feet. <laughs> to go and visit all these people. We had an international ministry this week. The New Zealand uh, side of that international ministry has said, yes, they are going to start now helping with providing Bibles. Um, we have 4,000 uh, people going through our official ministry schools. And uh, just this week alone, I just had two people say, hi, we've been silent followers. Um, we haven't talked to you up till now, but here are some photos of what we're doing with your work. And just these guys gathering 10, 20, 40 pastors together, uh, together around the world. Word. You know, I don't know how many people are here, but for the people that we're ministering to, which is mainly the poor, three of you would have Bibles. Three. That's it. That gives you an idea of what the need is. And so all of our teaching um, is online and is on audio and is in written. And two people have just started to finally started to translate into French and into Kiswahili and also into, I've forgotten what the national language of Uganda is. So, yeah, so it's been a good week. Um, and, and I, you know, um, I was asked, I was asked uh, by Glenn if I could talk on abiding. And I suppose, I, I suppose that's really what we've learned, is abiding. What is abiding? How important is it? Um, so let's get started. So abiding is the master key to answered prayer and fruitfulness. You know, I, I had this guy um, who was trying to say to me today, and I was this morning supposed to be preparing for the message, and I came across this meeting, across this this guy that was trying to say that, you know, the Messiah alone teaches him 
And I thought, oh, there's a danger. Because we're going to find out that it is not just about spending time with Jesus. And sure enough, he was severely deceived. He believed that the only part of Scripture we should use is the, new, is the four Gospels, and that's it. And, no, and uh, so let's find out what abiding is really about, shall we? So first of all, you cannot earn your abiding. There's nothing that you can do. It is a grace which is a free gift from God. We hear this scripture a lot, don't we? And if you've heard me speak, you will have heard me use this scripture. It's one of those scriptures that is used in funerals, isn't it? In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. The thing is, it's actually, although it, the same applies for heaven, it's got nothing to do with, with heaven at all. You'll find that the vast majority of scriptures will come from John 14 through to John 17. But this is actually talking about abiding. So when Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, he's not talking about, um, uh, not, not talking about heaven. You know, he's talking about what he did around about a few months later. When he died on that cross and he ascended on high and he sat down at the right hand of God, he did exactly what he prophesied he would do. I will destroy this temple and in three days I will build it. So the place that he went to prepare for us, he is actually talking about the place of abiding. So let's find out what it is. That word, and you're all going to be Greek scholars by the end of this, all end of this, okay. Say after me, meno. Meno. All right, meno is that word mansions. It is the word for home. So let's go to the next chat, next scripture. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So in each one of us, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you have the home of God. I mean, that's phenomenal, isn't it? The, the, the home of God is inside of you. It's not just the temple of God. It is actually the, the home. That word meno means the abiding place. So there is a home inside each one of you. When Jesus died on that cross, he died as a testator. He died to bring in the testament and will of the Father, which was the new covenant. He nailed the old covenant to the cross with all of its requirements and all of its feasts. And he brought in the new covenant because Hebrews says 
that when a person dies, that person must die for the will to come to pass. And that will was the new covenant. And just like marriage is a two-way covenant, your relationship with God is a two-way covenant. You give Jesus or God your sins and he gives you his righteousness. And it is the same with abiding. Abiding is a two-way relationship. When we enter into a marriage, we live together. It is the same with God. God makes his home inside of you. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. And so first of all, the Father and the Son have come into that home that you made through the covenant that God cut with you. That cutting was the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So the other side of it is that we are in the Father and the Son. And even more amazingly is you are one with the Father and with the Son. And that word one is the same word that Jesus talks about when he says, and you, Father, and I are one. They are one. And we are one with the Father and the Son and one with each other. So there is an incredible power in understanding what abiding does. The Holy Spirit is in us. Now, we all know that as Christians. That's one of the things we're taught. We're taught that the Spirit of God comes inside of us and our body becomes the temple of God. So your body is the temple of God and God's home is inside of you. For those of you who are wondering, hold on, I'm not too sure about this whole father inside of me thing. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 6. For do you not know that the father is inside of you? Anyway, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God... God will destroy him. Now, this is from the New King James Version, which is my favorite version for teaching from. It's great, but it does not always get things right. Because that word destroy, it is the only time that Greek word is translated destroy. 
every other time it is translated elsewhere, elsewhere and usually it is translated to wither. So if we, first of all, we cannot separate ourselves from God that easily. We'll talk about that in a second. But we can defile ourselves. Okay? We can do things that grieve the Holy Spirit or quench the Holy Spirit. And by so doing, what happens is we set aside something inside of us that we all experience. So if you kind of felt, yeah, I've, defiled the, I've defiled my temple, every one of us do it. We all do it. We say things that are contrary to the word of God. When we say things that are contrary to what the word of God is or what the destiny of God's word on your life is and we say something contrary then that goes back into our ears and if we agree with it we defile it we can either agree with what is the truth about our lives or we can speak against those things and defile the temple of God. I rejoice in the young people having all of these promises. The reality is, is now starts the process. You see, the wilderness is the place where God prepares a place for us. It is no different under the new covenant as it is under the old covenant. Our national leader in Uganda said this. He said, I have so many people who are apostles, but they won't serve in the house of God. They have received the promise but they haven't walked out the process. Paul went into the wilderness for between 13 and 17 years before he finally entered into the office of the apostle. There is a difference between being called and being chosen. When it comes to being born again, there is no difference. But when it comes to ministry, there is a massive difference. So the defilement, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. It's not talking about your relationship with God. It's not talking about eternity. It is talking about the defilement that occurs when we disagree with the promises of God that is inside of our lives. Then there is that withering because, Je because uh, uh, Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, and the Father is the vine dresser. So he prunes 
the branches that do not bear fruit. And they wither up and die. Nobody likes pruning, me especially, because it's painful. And I know what it's like to be pruned. 1986, great promises over my life. We wanted to go to Afghanistan. We wanted to go to Saudi Arabia. Would not have been easy. We would have had to handwrite our Bible out in those days. All written out by hand, hidden in my veterinary notes. But God said, no, I have another plan for you. We start to travel. In 1993, we see amazing things. And I'm only just a young man at that stage. And people say, I want you to take over my church in Malaysia. But God has other plans. We see God do amazing things where God breaks out in revival, where church grows from 600 to 1,000 in, in a matter of, of a couple of months. But then God cuts that off and says, Neville, I don't have that for you. I didn't know why. I couldn't understand why we're having this fantastic revival. And then all of a sudden the gate closes and I can't go into that country anymore. We then go on the mission field for seven years. We see 40% of a people group come to Christ within three years. And within seven years, the whole people group had accepted every single village, 86 villages, 12,000 people. All of them had accepted Jesus in mass. And yet God said, that's it. I'm going to cut that off or I have greater for you. Go back into the wilderness again. And then all of a sudden I get an invitation for Pakistan. And over three years we see over 30,000 people come to Christ. And some are in the range of probably 10,000 people instantly healed. But God says, that's not what I have for you. I have more for you. You'll get back to that later on. Whenever we go into some area of fruitfulness, there will be a season but God has more for you and it comes through abiding because every time you go into that wilderness, you're forced into a place of spending time alone with God. How, some of you will have heard of Leonard Ravenhill, his son David Ravenhill, who was our dean where, at the Bible school we went to. He had a very successful ministry. And God took him back from New Zealand, from Majestic House, where he was the one on the apostolic team there, and took him back to America. And people were saying, come and preach, come and preach, come and preach. And he says, no. He says, I will not step out of this wilderness until I've learned what God wants to teach me. And so for around about six months to 80 months, I can't remember how long it was, he stayed in that place of doing no ministry whatsoever until God had done the thing that God wanted inside of him. He's now 82 years of age. He's just finished his something, I don't know how many books he's written now, about a dozen books. If I were the devil, one of the... the Pictures of the devil is Leviathan in Job 41. Uh, you can look on our website. I've got a whole 15-page teaching Christian and I have put up on Leviathan. It's our most popular YouTube video. Um, but Leviathan, or Leviathan in Hebrew, 
is a reed animal, a serpent. You know, it's really interesting that the root word of Leviathan is lawa, and it means to entwine, to unite, to abide with. How many of you have struggled during your prayer time and you get distracted? <laughs> I think all of you, you know, would say that. You get distracted. You know, the devil will stop your time with abiding. And if he can't get you to stop abiding with God, then he'll bring in false teaching to try and teach what abiding is not. So, for example, the Feast of Tabernacles. You've got to go to the Feast of Tabernacles in Israel if you want to have famine broken in your country. The trouble is that the Feast of Tabernacles was fulfilled by Jesus Christ on the uh, Mount of Transfiguration. Come and build three booths with me, is what um, Simon said, wasn't it? And it was two weeks, or less than two weeks before the Feast of Tabernacles, that, that Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. So I used to believe this. I used to believe that, you know, you go to Jerusalem to, on the Feast of Tabernacles and it'll break the, break the famine. It never did. But what's really interesting is that there was a famine that reached from Italy to India in, 19, in 41 CE to 54 CE during the reign of Caesar Claudius. The... In the country of Babylon or Persia at the time was nearly completely depopulated as a result of that famine. Now, we know about that famine from the prophecy of Agabus. Paul and Silas traveled to Jerusalem. Now, if these two mighty apostles, sorry, Paul and Barnabas, these two mighty apostles of God believed that the Feast of Tabernacles, you needed to go to Jerusalem, one, they would have talked about it, and two, they never broke the famine. Why? Because the Feast of Tabernacles is abiding. It's been fulfilled in Jesus Christ through abiding. That is what the Feast of Tabernacles is. It is us abiding in God and God abiding in us. And that the temple is no longer a physical temple. It is a spiritual temple that you are. You, if you imagine, go back and have a look at, the Solomon, at Solomon's temple. The incredible grandeur that there was and the second temple as well. That's what you've got inside of you. Amazing what you have inside of you. I'm running out of time. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You can leave any time you like. Just like the prodigal son did. You can leave any time you like. But hey, he's looking for you all the time. How to abide in him. Live in the Father's house. Just be with him. 
Just spend time with him. Communicate with him. That's what people call prayer. I prefer to call it communicate, talk. Prayer gets very religious. It's just talking to God. It's talking to Jesus. It's talking to the Spirit of God. Get to know them. Be involved in the Father's work, the work of the kingdom. Worship. We become what we worship. I was witnessing with somebody the other day, and she said to me in, in Christchurch, and she said, you know, what really annoys me is that we have to worship God. What kind of God is that that needs worship? And I said to her, it's got nothing to do with God. God doesn't need your worship. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't got an inferior, inferiority complex or, you know, whatever type of complex. It's because we become what we worship. Going back to that story of that man, it is not just about abiding in relationship. You must abide in his word. When the message is right, the harvest is right. And that is what our ministry is about, Awakening Impact Ministries. It's about getting the message right. And as a result, then people come to Christ. Abide in his love. Live in his love. Living in his love means loving God, loving others as yourself, and loving yourself as well. Keep his commandments, not the commandments of the law, but the commandments of the new covenant, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's fulfilled in love. The old covenant is fulfilled in love. And then the other commandments as well, which is you know, go and make disciples of all nations. All right. How to do this in a 21 minute. How to do this. Okay. How to know when you're abiding. You know when you are abiding, when you are walking in righteousness, when you are, I'm not talking about, you know, if you, if you sin, then therefore you're no longer in righteousness. You have a righteousness, which is a free gift, but we also need to walk in it. The other side of it is from the scripture, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You know when you are abiding in God, when you have peace. When that anxiety leaves. There's not an abiding when you're anxious. There's not an abiding when you're nervous. There's not an abiding when you're angry. There's an abiding when you are walking in righteousness, when you have the peace of God. The peace of God is the, is the answer to, to, uh, the, to torment and then joy. Joy is the answer to the need of healing. And joy comes out of abiding. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. What things abide in me and I in you? How to know when you're abiding? You know when you're abiding 
when you get answered prayer. When you're praying, and I'm not, and yes, it applies to any type of prayer, but as we mature in the Lord, it should also include the miraculous, divine healing, all those type of things. Ask and you will receive that your, that your joy may be full, fulfilled. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. See, there's an if to that. There must be an abiding in him. It's not so much about him abiding in you, but it's you abiding in him. Sorry, it's not so much him abiding in you, it's about you abiding in him. That brings answered prayer. I want you to just close your eyes for a second. I want you to say inside your spirit, I acknowledge your presence. Now, as you feel his presence start to come on you, now let me go a little bit further than this, because this is what I want you to get. You can forget all the theory, but get this. Because God has made his home inside of you, you can bring the presence of God into any circumstance you want. Praise will help. Worship will help. But you can just declare, I recognize your presence. I abide in you. And it's not even about heaven coming down. That tends to happen more in corporate. But it is heaven inside of you coming out. I acknowledge your presence right now. In the midst of this sickness, in the midst of this shock at the doctors, in the midst at, with an argument with a family member, I acknowledge your presence right now. I acknowledge you, Father. That's what abiding is. You know, in South Sudan, I received a phone call saying, oh, Neville, you need to present yourself to the police station. They want to arrest you. I said, oh, okay. Flicked an email off to Lynn and some others, and off I go to the police. The immediate thought was, prison in South Sudan is not a pleasant place. But immediately I chose the presence of God. I walk into that police station and they say, is your name Neville uh, Van Etten? And I say, um, no. Uh, what do you mean? Because they had been taking photos when you're not allowed to take photos, you see, at the airport. And the president was there. Was about to come, I should say. I abide in you. My name is Neville Westerbeck Van Eerton. Oh. 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 Don't you spell? Oh, sorry. So you're free to go now. Because that is my name, Neville Charles Westerbeck Van Eerton. It was just an instant word of wisdom. 
abide in him in whatever situation you're going through, that home is inside of you. There's no struggle. You just need to acknowledge it. Father, I acknowledge you inside of me right now. Jesus, I acknowledge you. Big brother, I acknowledge you right now inside of me. There's always going to come fruitfulness out of abiding. Let's pray. Father, I acknowledge you inside of me right now. I acknowledge the creator of heaven and earth inside of me. Jesus, I acknowledge you as king inside of me. King of kings and Lord of lords, still bearing the holes in your feet and your hands and in your side, you're inside of me. Spirit of God, you're inside of me. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And even, and on top of that, you're, you're over me as well. You're also upon me that I might go out and preach the gospel. These are the things which it's good to say when you're going through the hard times. When you're going in that wilderness. And so what I... You know, I, I just love in meetings where God just takes over and his presence settles down. And when God comes in to the house, things happen. God does things, as we've heard about in the youth group. But they can happen at home, wherever you are. Maybe today you're like that prodigal son. You need to... Run back to daddy and say, Daddy, uh, I've, I, I've come home, daddy. He doesn't judge. Yeah, sometimes there's discipline involved, but he puts on you the robe and he puts on you the ring. And so I just want to open up the altar today. If you're in that situation of you want to run back to dad, or if you're going through something and you've lost your peace and you lost your joy or maybe you've lost some of your righteousness as well because of some area that you're struggling with, then I just want to open up the altar and say, hey, come and abide with me at the front.